Welcome to the One Player Podcast, a show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 180. Pushing cubes and get them young. <laughs> young little cubes, Julius? Uh, no, we're addicting people to pushing cubes. Oh, <laughs> okay. Ah, my mistake. Sorry. Good idea. Good idea. My my son, for example. Yes. Yes, exactly. Mine too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the best <laughs> ways to do that is with cubes and dice. That's right. Dice. So today we're talking and... about dice worker placement. Mm-hmm. Which is an interesting topic, um, mainly because I I'm surprised how little I know about it. Actually, <laughs> that does surprise me. But today we're going to be doing one of the episodes we do about every five episodes ish, um, where we are instead of going to be picking a specific game to focus on, we're going to be talking about a specific mechanic or theme or idea. We're going to be focusing on some ideas and games that we like in that realm and presenting those to each other and to all of our listeners. That's right. Yep. And so this week we're doing dice worker placement games, as Julie's already said. And we'll what we usually do is we each pick three games and we talk about them and try and fill a half hour that way. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be. I'm telling you, it's gonna be tricky this time because, like I said, I really I, mean, I don't play dice worker placement games for whatever reason. I'm surprised that you don't play dice worker placement games. There's so many good ones. Really. I've, I know of a few. I have one or two that I just haven't played yet. I'm kind of curious which one or two you have that you haven't played. Because I suspect that the ones on my list you've played. I really thought you have. Maybe. The, the, do, do, do. the one game that I can think off the top of my head that I own that I have not played and is a dice worker placement game, I think, is Castles of Burgundy. I believe that qualifies. Castles of Burgundy qualifies, but it's not a solo game. I mean, actually, excuse me. They do have a solo expansion. There's the solo mm-hmm. modes. The deluxe one that's coming out has a solo board. Yes. Um, the, 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 the copy that, that I have before. is the original. Okay. The version I have, which is the red box, has a, like three keys on the cover or something. That also brings a solo mode in it. Mm. I don't know about the, that copy. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't played it. I know it's in there. I've looked at it a couple of times and said, huh, I should learn this. I bet you my son would like too, and then I could play it solo afterwards. Yeah, yeah my, my copy doesn't have solo, so it doesn't count as solo for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, there we go. So that that's really the one game I can think of that I well, own. How about this one? Because this is the the top one of my three, and that is Under Falling Skies. Yeah, okay. So that is also on my list. I, that oh, is I, the one I, overlap we're going to have. Pretty sure we were going to have this one be overlap. And the reason is, is because this is an excellent game. It is solo only. It is dice mm-hmm. worker placement. It's got these wooden dice instead of plastic dice. Um, but I'm, I'm assuming that's because all of your pieces are wood and they thought that would be cool. I don't know. Um, yeah. But they have this wooden, these, these wooden dice that are your workers. And the whole idea for this one is that you have five dice and you're required to put one die in each of the different columns. And at the top are ones that just essentially discount the die. Because whenever you put a die on the column, all the enemies in that column will also rush the number you use. So you have a push and pull between using a high powered die to get more stuff done. But, if you're if you're getting more stuff done, the enemies are going to be coming faster at you. So you have to mess with that a bit to be able to place the enemies in the right place to blow them up, to be able to use it at the right time when you can move enemies out of a space. So there's a whole bunch of mechanics in there to try and mess with where the enemies are. 
This one is a campaign-based game where the idea is this is it's Independence Day, the board game, where these aliens <laughs> are, are coming down to their giant mothership and you're having to fight them off and go from city to city trying to make sure that the cities don't explode from Independence Day shenanigans. So it has a campaign right in the box. And I enjoy the campaign. I think that the game still mm-hmm. plays very well even after the campaign because essentially you can either play through the campaign again or you can just randomize it up and, and play a random, fully random scenario picking from the different cities and the different difficult the, the different scenarios and the different allies that you get. And the different scenarios mm-hmm. all mix it up a whole bunch. And frankly, I think the game just looks really nice that I like mm-hmm. the layout of it. I like the graphical style of it. I like how everything looks on it. This is for me a top board game. I think top solo board game. I think it's really good and definitely comes on the top for dice worker placements for me. So, and, and I'm not at all surprised to hear that this is the overlap. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I knew this would be on your list too. Uh, it's a it's a fun game, just like you're saying. What I like is that there's so many ways to play. Like you already said, the campaign, but all the different things you could add are pretty much modular, right? You could play it with an easy difficulty. You could add the scenarios. You could add some of the heroes to help you out. You could flip the boards over, and everything you do is just adjusting the difficulty. Mm-hmm. So you could choose to add as much as you want to make it easier or, or harder. Genius and I think design. That's pretty neat. Yeah, gives a lot of replayability. And there is so much in that box. <laughs> yeah, it, really it surprises is. me. Like, you, you can just play the base game and, frankly, have a good time. Mm-hmm. But that's only, like, a quarter of the box. And there, it's all thick cardboard for all of the components that mm-hmm. the campaign brings with it. And little mini comics and scenarios. And it, it's there's so much in there. And then you can just shuffle it all up. And have a standard game with all the extra stuff that came for the campaign. It's so good. Yeah, that is, that is a neat game. You know, what we didn't do is we didn't really say what dice worker placement games are. Oh, that's an awful good point. <laughs> so, I mean, I think in a nutshell, they're worker placement games, but your workers are little dice. They're not just little meeples that wander around and stand still and do nothing. These are dice that are action-packed because depending on what phase that die is, he's going to do a different action. So these are very agile workers actually yes and that's that's basically what a, a dice worker placement game is and so so it, it adds a level of complexity because let's say you have three dice to choose from you know it depends on the game you may want to put the dice on the first action but you're thinking but you know that number would be more useful if i if i put it somewhere else or if i did this and so so there's more push and pull because of the, the fact that you're using dice instead of just plain old boring workers that do nothing but work. These are like workers with intelligence. They're not workers with intelligence. It's still entirely <laughs> random. It's just that not like, every worker okay. is the same and that the workers will vary over the course of the game. That normally, like there are other worker placement games where the workers can vary. Like you have your big worker and your little worker mm-hmm. or like you upgrade them with quests over the course of the games. Like it's, it's not that this is the only way to make workers with variants, but there's a lot of variants and it changes over the course of the game. That What is a one worker now may be a six later and you can't really count on it being the same thing. You can't count on it being reliable. And I think that really holds very true for the dice in uh, Under Falling Skies because 
you may need a six desperately, but you all have limited dice and limited rolls to be able to pull that six. So, mm-hmm. Yep. And, and depending on what you're playing, you may be able to manipulate it into a six, but it it depends. You know, just based on luck and are you playing the right scenario? Or do you have the right things to go with it? You say by what you're playing, you mean like a different game? No, which board you're playing on potentially might oh. give you ability to uh, change the die numbers. Oh, I thought you were using that as a tie into whatever your first game was. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not that clever. No, I'm sorry. But I could go ahead and do my, f- well, my first game. You just went through my first game. Well, no, I took it. You better have a backup. Oh, I have to have a backup? I didn't know there was, oh, okay, well, I'll have a backup. All right, fine. I- I'll have no, a no, backup. No, no, I'll, I'll, no, no. I'll do the backup, and I won't appreciate it. It's, a uh, so you've been eaten? So you've been eaten. I mean, <laughs> is that really a dice worker placement game? I th- when you're playing as the uh, human, it is. It's only right? half a worker placement game. Dep- so, <laughs> yeah, so depending which side of the box you open it on, it's either a worker placement game or it's not, <laughs> I guess. But the, the side that is, is a worker placement game, because you roll a couple dice, and then you're choosing where to put them for which action you want to take and the number okay. on the die totally matters. It affects, you know, which part of the intestine you're, you're aiming for and that sort of thing. Okay. So there's definitely a, a dice worker placement game. I think in, in that if you're playing as a human, but it's also not, there's, you're not placing the dice anywhere. There's not slots that you have to fill out with it. Uh, so it's not really a, cause you could put both dice in the same space. So it's not a really a work. You could put the both in the same space. There's no slots. It's just that a one is a one is a one. Your slot is determined by what die you have. It is a dice game. But, there are dice. It's an action them. selection. It's a dice action selection. And so which action you choose Correct. to do with the dice. That's what it is. And then I'm confusing action selection with worker placement. The key being worker placement. You could only place one worker in the space. Some some games allow more. Some may say, oh, you could put two workers or you may put the special worker there. But generally speaking, each space gets one worker and one worker only. Correct. Here, you could put all your dice in the same space. Or you could spread out as you like. So it doesn't count. But that's one of my three since you take my other one. <laughs> well, it's a good thing <laughs> and, I have a backup for you. So I, 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 I was prepared for having at least one crossover. <laughs> okay, go for it. So my second game, we're not up to the backup. The backup is going to be last. My second game is a co-op dice worker placement, Endangered. Are you familiar with this one, Albert? Mm, No, I I am not. So Sounds like it's about wild animals. It is about wild animals. And frankly, it is an absolute shame that we have not reviewed this on the podcast, if we haven't. but Endangered is a cooperative game where, yes, you are trying to rescue um, some poor lost animals. And the game has a whole bunch of different scenarios, and they're coming out with new ones pretty constantly. I'm actually on the playtest team for testing their current next one. Um, but the game has a bunch of different scenarios. Like you can rescue tigers, you can rescue the most recent was butterflies. There's elephants, there's monkeys, there's turtles, there's dolphins. So there's a whole bunch of different ones. Each one of them comes with these nice wooden uh, painted meatballs for the correct animal. And this deck of impact cards, which are references to the actual issues that we're having with conservation for those particular animals, which will flip over over the course of the game. So in sort of a pandemic style type thing, everyone takes a turn. And then the impact deck reveals like a bad thing that happened. 
when you're taking your turn, everyone's going to have a set of dice that they will roll for the round and then they'll put out. There are some worker placement spaces. By default, there's four spaces on the board. But everyone has a deck of cards that they can use either for one-time actions or for creating new worker placement spaces across the board, placing essentially growing out the board. When you put a die on a space, it can be, make the space more powerful, so you can use that for a more powerful opportunity. Mm-hmm. But every die on a space has to be higher than the, or equal to all uh, any die that's on the space before. So if you put a five on a space... Well, you may be locking some other people out of being able to do that if they desperately need it, but didn't roll better than a five. And similarly, if they roll a six and they don't take theirs off first next round, uh, then they're going to be locking you out because you'll take back your five and you're like, well, now there's just a six there. So things sort of continue to accelerate as you're doing that. The game is continued over a course of rounds where you're trying, there's going to be a, the splayed out on the top of the board a set of objectives. And at the beginning of the game, you won't know what your objectives are. But your job is to convince these representatives of different countries of the benefits of your conservation efforts, that you're succeeding at it, so that they'll invest money in being able to save the animal that you're working with and not give it up as a lost cause. And these goals can really range, like, don't have enough animals on the board or don't have a bunch of ruined spaces on the board or raise money yourself in advance or all sorts of different things. At the end of the game, you'll check and see if you succeeded on those goals. If you did, then you win. If you don't, you have one more round and then you'll check and see if you did it at that point in time. And again, if you win, you win. If you don't, then the animals are lost. Um, We've actually played this once with elephants uh, and elephants are my wife's favorite animal. And we, we did not manage to save the elephants. And so now my wife won't play it again, just in case we lose. My oh elephants. no. <laughs> That's all sad. The poor elephant. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that the game, I, I think this is a really fun co-op. Um, I think I enjoy the worker placement aspect, the idea of trying to balance uh, where you go and, and how to have the different dice not block out other people, trying to think ahead for what actions other people do. The game requires a lot of communication between players to be like, well, I think I'm going to go here, but I don't want to block anyone else out. And how can we solve the objectives and sometimes immediately solve the objectives based on what dice we have and where it is that we need to go. So there's a lot of communication that has to happen. And when you're playing solo, so that's even better because then you only have to communicate with yourself. I never feel bad trying to quarterback (laughs) when I'm the only person playing. So (laughs) as long as you listen, as long as very much so sometimes the dice don't listen. So I have a lot of fun playing through and trying to make sure that the puzzle of how to solve and make sure that everything is where it needs to be works out so that we get everything flowing through. I enjoy that aspect a lot. I think that the dice bring a strong component to the game. Even the, the game provides dice for the impact cards because you'll roll dice often to determine where, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, devastation effects occur. So they get their own set of dice and, I, I think that the game is a really good co-op game and a good example of dice worker placement. Nice. Okay. That, I had not heard of that one before. And it is a shame that we haven't talked about it. Mm, okay. Well, that could be fixed. I mean, we kind of <laughs> talked about it now. <laughs> so, okay. So my second game, 
is one I'm pretty sure you have not played, but we have talked about it is Pocket Landships or Landship. I've heard about it. I've heard about it, but I've not played it. It's originally a print and play, and it was published and released, I think, a couple years ago. But I'm not sure exactly when. And it is a game where you're playing sort of a, a really big tank. Think like Ogre uh, against a bunch of mech warriors and other enemies. But it's sort of a like diesel punk kind of setting, I think. At least it feels like it to me. Mm-hmm. And in it, you basically control one tank, which has three different parts. The main the main cannon and hull and a, another cannon on the one side and a second cannon on the other side or third cannon on the other side or, or ground troops. And then you're going to be fighting against nine other enemies that are going to be played on a three-by-three grid up in front of you. The front rows face up. The rest are still face down until you reveal them. I think they were face down. It's been a little while since I played that. Um, And the way you play is you roll three dice, and you place two of them on on two of your three cards. The, The card you play and the number you play tells you what action you get to do that turn. So you're going to get two actions each turn based on the values you roll. The actions could be shoot or maybe do some more defense for next turn or possibly adjust the other die up or down to get an even more powerful shot. And what you're trying to do is defeat all nine enemies, knocking them you know, down one at a time. And so relatively simple worker placement game. What is really neat about and it brings a ton of dice. Like 18 dice in the box maybe here. Because um, <laughs> it also uses dice for to mark your health and you put put it on your three cards as well as the enemy all get dice on their cards potentially what's really neat about this game though isn't just the 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 way it plays because it is fun to play but is that there's so many cards and it's a little tiny box there's a lot of different enemies so when you play you're gonna have different mixes of enemies uh, which will change up the game and there's a bunch of different cards for your tank so you could pick different models of tank and what kind of weapons you have on the two side cards that could change how the tank feels um and then besides that, there's also you could, if you want extra help, you could get a, uh, like a commander card, a person that will give you a one shot ability, or there's also advantages that you could have that again might help you a little bit. And then the game also has a campaign game, so you could play through the campaign and do that. You could just play one shot and try out different scenarios. I have not tried the campaign game. I've only really played the the solo scenarios, and I found this game hard to win, honestly. So really, yeah, I'm not I'm not too good at it. And maybe that's why I don't like uh, dice worker placement games because I'm bad at them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Pocket Lunch is a neat little game. Um, small independent publisher and designer. Who did this? You ask, Julius. I will tell you. It was published or designed by Scott Allen. Ch- I don't know how to pronounce the last name. C Z Y S Z. And that's Chis? probably why I didn't actually ask. I'm sorry. Did you say <laughs> cheese? Yeah, I might have. C's cheese. Chizix, I don't. I'm sorry, uh, Scott Allen. I apologize for not getting it right. This is not the only game I have by him. I am pretty darn sure. I have definitely seen that name before. I don't think he comes up again today necessarily. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking it up. I don't recognize anything else. I'm pretty sure he's done something by uh, Bunchai. Mech capture. Know. I'm gonna go see. The name is familiar. No, not mech capture. Oh, Count of Nine Estates. He did that one. And Forest Sky, which is a fun little game. Yeah. So he, he's done a few other games that I recognize, uh, mainly by um, Bunshai games. But they're not necessarily all solo friendly. Well, Count of Nine Estates is. 
Count of Nine States is. I have played. I played it once. I haven't gone back to it. Far Sky is a neat little game, but it is not solo. It's two or three players, but pretty darn neat. All right, but now you're stepping way far oh. afield of you know dice worker placement into talking yeah. all about one designer. <laughs> I'm cheating. Sorry, cheating. So I'm going to pull us back on project here with Artemis Project. I knew that one was going to come. <laughs> I just had a feeling. Did you now? I had a feeling. I said, I, I remember you enjoyed that one a lot. I did enjoy Artemis Project. I think that it was pretty good. Um, Artemis Project is humorously, it's an, it's another Lost in Space type game where you are trying to create a colony off in Artemis. And the way you do that is by having a pool of dice that you're going to be rolling each round. And there are seven spaces around the board for places where you can place those dice. And again, there's a push and pull between those workers. You can have the lower rolls, which will give you less benefit from that space. But there's more guarantee that the lower rolls are going to actually return because the lower rolls are resolved first. So if you put in a low roll in there, then nobody else can come snipe it from you or effects can't remove stuff from it or people can't come in with buildings and take it first. But if it's a high roll, well, by the time it gets around to you, everything may be taken, and then what are you going to do? So there's a lot of dynamics. There's a lot of push and pull for that. Again, it's another game that I think has a lot of attractiveness in its design. I think that it looks pretty in terms of components. The pieces are really chunky. <laughs> there's, there's nice pieces involved with it, tiny little meeples that are put in the shaker ship, which is this is a nice component, but I think looks nice and is usable for me. Um, I just prefer a bag. So I, again, I think that the, the game plays really nicely with the, the dice having a large effect on how the game plays. Um, so, I mean, it's not the top of my list, but I think that it's a really good, Mm-mm. Example of the genre. I saw it at my at the my game store yesterday. They're having their annual holiday sale, and it's one of the games that's on twenty five percent off right now. Mm-hmm. It's tempting. Nice. <laughs> I can understand why. Yeah, the game the game is fun, and it has the if if you're getting it, I can definitely recommend some of the deluxe upgrades. They uh, there some things that help just in terms of being able to track like where the dangers are coming from and stuff like that. Well, that's where the twenty five percent savings is going to end up going, isn't it? <laughs> Possibly. I mean, it's just one meeple. Okay, I really like the look of it a lot. I thought it was a really nice looking game with a board and whatnot. Sauber, what was your next game? Oh, my third then? It's my third game? Yeah, my third and final game? Yeah. Um, I mentioned the publisher already. This this one feels a little bit like a stretch almost, but not really. It is Twin Stars, which is by Bud and Shy Games. It's a small little tiny game. And it's Bud and Shy, so it brings 18 cards. So, so there's Six scenarios, six scenario cards, and 12 hero cards. And basically what you're going to do is you're going to put two heroes that you're going to play with. You could choose them randomly or you could choose the ones meant for the scenario. You're going to play the one scenario. And the way you play it, each turn you roll a couple dice and decide which die goes on which hero. And the number on that die will tell you what the hero can do. And it's generally, it depends from scenario to scenario, but generally you're moving different markers back and forth on the on the scenario or potentially healing the hero up and moving the marker there. Each of the heroes is a little bit different, so so they could play differently and the games will feel differently. 
And then there's a second one called Twin Stars 2, which gives you another six scenarios, another 12 heroes for just way more replayability. Uh, I will say that I found the game kind of light and okay only, but I'm including it because, like I said, it was kind of a stretch for me hard to find a game to talk about in this genre. So, <laughs> Poor Albert. I would not say it's a great game, but you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fine filler, something to take along and pull out and spend 10 minutes on it and say, oh, that was neat. Um, hello, cat. And the scenarios are kind of neat, and some of them are kind of fun. Like Some of them are obviously Star Trek or Star Wars inspired, if not directly. Uh, so I'm assuming you don't really have too much dice worker placement games in your collection. No, not at all. I mean, I think I mentioned them already. <laughs> Multiplayer ones? That's just the extent. You're tapped out. Yeah, I'm tapped out. I, I don't know why. I mean, I don't have anything against them. I just, just never... I hear like I've always been interested in which um, is isn't Orleans. Uh... Orleans, I believe, is one. Yes. I don't have that in my collection. Yeah, me either. I've always thought that one looked neat and like to play, but just never have. It hasn't come up. Yeah, I mean, there are certainly more out there. Um, more dice worker placements, even solo dice worker placements. I know I even have some on my shelf that I haven't even had a chance to play. Frankly, I've got Tiwakan. Mm-hmm. Is sitting on my shelf and still waiting to play. I've got some non-solo friendly stuff on my shelf. I've got, I've no, I've played Euphoria before as another dice worker placement. Um, the there is one that is listed in the Board Game Geek database as a dice worker placement, which is Merchants of the Dark Road. I have Euphoria. I can't, I can't consider Merchants of the Dark Road to be a dice worker placement. But I do have one more that I wanted to talk about, which was my backup. Okay, let's see. What is this backup? Because I've been curious. And this is Black Angel. Mm, okay. I, you recall this one, Albert? I remember you telling me about it tangentially. We didn't cover it, but you covered another game that was similar right. you told me, but it was Day and Night. Something about Day and Night. We covered a game, Solenia. Solenia, okay. Yes. And Solenia and Black Angel share a mechanic and even though like the big brother and little brother to this mechanic, because there's the idea that you have a central board and as you're taking actions, there's the, the board sort of shifts. You're taking a Mm -hmm. row of spaces off the board, flipping it over and putting on the backside of the board as you're moving through. So the board is constantly moving and shifting as you're traveling through and it can make it, challenging to predict what's going to be available to interact with on that board. But that board has nothing to do with the dice worker placement (laughs) aspect of it. That board is possibly the sole part of Selenia. And that, frankly, the reason why this is a backup is that even though I enjoy the dice worker placement, I don't feel like the dice worker placement is the part of this game that you know, okay. wins it for this game. I think that board moving along is the mechanic that I like to interact with more. And that mechanic doesn't even have a name to tell you the honest <laughs> truth. And it should, because I want to see more things that do that mechanic well, because it's really great in Selenia and it's that mechanic is really good in black angel the scrolling back and forth board. The scrolling board. It's just scrolling one direction, but it's oh, a okay. scrolling board. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
the dice worker placement aspect in Black Angel is that there's a second board, which is your ship board. So your ship is moving through space. So the space is what moves around you. But the ship is what lets you take different aspects of stuff on your ship. So like there's going to be invading aliens that are coming and you're going to have to be harvesting programs and harvesting resources and making cards and making deals out on the space board. So all of that stuff, all of those resources and things are going to be coming in from dice actions taken on the main board. And then sometimes you'll use it on your player board. Sometimes you'll use it on the space board and stuff like that. So, and again, this one has a similar type of thing about there are spaces for the different sorts of things. So like there's a space for being able to get technology. There's a space for attacking the bad aliens. There's a space for sending ships out on the space board. Uh, there's a space for harvesting debris or turning debris into other stuff. So there's different spaces on the board for different things you can do, as well as theoretically spaces out in space that you'll create with extra cars when you're performing missions mm -hmm. and using a higher die can give you a more powerful action, but then, you know, you may have less opportunity for other stuff. It is that you want to do and where it is that you want to spend all of your dice. And with this one, as with, you mentioned some of the scenarios in under falling skies, you can spend your dice. If your dice, if you roll poorly, you can spend some resources to reroll dice to do better. I will say that I think that there's less push and pull for the dice actions because, you know, getting a higher quality die is probably just better in most mm -hmm. cases. Um, so, you know, you get, you get more activations off of it. So there's less push and pull, but it's more just about where it is that you want to spend your higher dice as opposed to a push and pull on its own. So, I, I enjoyed the game, but I just didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoy Selenia. Hmm. Um, and again, maybe it's a game that we should take another look at with a full review and perhaps give that another thought and get a couple more games of it to really solidify that. But because of that, it's it's relegated to the the backup of this list mm -hmm. as opposed to ranking a little Back bit higher. The shelf. Yeah, this is another game that they had in the uh, sale table or shelf, but I don't think I'm going to pick this I one up. It looks really, neat. yeah. It looks neat, but yeah, hmm. I think I shall pass for now. I think it may be better than Artemis Project overall. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. You know, you mentioned the the worker placement game, the 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 issue with the uh, higher roles being better and all that. I like the. I don't like I said I don't have a lot of experience, but I like the games where higher isn't better; it's just different. Right? Yes. So, so one could still be useful. It's just a different choice you're making. You got to pick your strategy. Yeah, I think so too. I don't know of any ones where the one does something different as opposed to just sometimes you want to use low and sometimes you want to use high. Like, for example, there's one um, Bora Bora, I think it is, um, but it's not it's not solo friendly. But with that one, sometimes you really want to use the low ones because they can slide in where the high ones can't because with the high ones they have to not supersede so i i like that there is there should be that push and pull to make a good dice worker placement game for me mm -hmm. yeah the 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 one that i mentioned the pocket land ships 
I think that one's an example where the depending on which cards you're out, sometimes high numbers might be be attack and low numbers might be defense, but that's not necessarily the case. It just depends on what card you have out. So it, yep. and they're all useful abilities, so it doesn't matter what you whether you get high or low. You're not gonna say, "Oh, right, got high numbers again," unless you happen to have those specific cards that happen to favor that for whatever strategy you're using. So yeah, so that that is our uh, our our episode on dice worker placement games. It was an interesting show, surprising little to talk about. I usually have. Well, here, let me give you this list of other 17 other games I thought of that I really wanted to talk about, but I can't. <laughs> Not at all this I time. suppose it's my fault for picking one that you just didn't have enough cubes for. Yeah, that's what it was. Just, you know, I rolled low. Got to get you pushing more cubes there, Albert. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Maybe next week, then. We'll do that next week. Maybe next week. All right, Julius. I'll, I'll let you run the show more next week, Albert, okay? All right. Okay. Maybe it'll be a little bit evil. Maybe so. (laughs) Everyone, have a good uh, week or so. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at julius at oneplayerpodcast.com or jlbird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at albert at oneplayerpodcast.com or fractaloon on BGG. Our website is oneplayerpodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at oneplayerpodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus and can be found at gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at donpancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.